Good morning, all. So delighted to be here today, which is September 3rd, 2020, with Dr. Howard Bo Walpole. How are you doing this morning, Bo? Doing well, Jim. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time with us today. And um, for those who know Bo, and for those who don't know Bo, what a fascinating uh, long career he's had as a physician and a physician leader. Over 39 years as a physician, um, spanning from uh, first as an interventionalist, part of the Vanderbilt system, managing partner after that, um, doing some great work in, in St. Thomas, business school, Emory, chief of cardiac sciences, department head, uh, again, then in Northeast Georgia, um, Gainesville. Uh, boy, there's, there's so much here, Bo. We could <laughs> spend so much time talking about all the great things you've done and so many senior leadership roles at the ACC. And you're an influencer at the, at the local level, regional, national, and international. So again, uh, thank you for this time this morning. Certainly, thank you, Jim. And what you're saying is I'm old. <laughs> well, you have tons of experience and you're a young man at heart and so grateful for something that's, you know, really a, a difficult topic for some. And that is that almost two years ago in November 2018, you were diagnosed with leukemia. And today you're going to share a little bit about the, just the, the, the feelings, the thoughts and the, the journey that you've, you've gone through. So let me just uh, stop there. You, you had a couple of great quotes and you've got some, a, a top 12 list. Um, but let me stop there, Bo. Thank you again. Just so grateful that you're sharing uh, just your experiences and wisdom. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Uh, it certainly has been a, an interesting journey, not one that I had anticipated by any means. I was the typical doctor uh, who thought I was healthy and bulletproof and would live you know, forever. My brain knew better, but my heart didn't believe that. <clears throat> and I, I really felt that way right up until the day uh, the, of my diagnosis. Uh, but you know, I, I was very fortunate in my career to be healthy all my life. Um, and <clears throat> this, this diagnosis of leukemia came on quickly. Uh, I uh, was getting up for an early morning meeting one day uh, to meet with some of the medical staff and the meeting was at six o'clock. So I got up very early and showered and was dressing. And I noticed that I was so short of breath. I had to sit down to put my shirt on. Well, that was completely out of character for me. So I did what any doctor would do. I got out my stethoscope and I listened to my heart and lungs. My heart was normal and my left lung was normal, but my right lung sounds were dull all the way up to the apex. So I thought I had, maybe I had a little viral pneumonia or something. I went on to the meeting, uh, but after the meeting, I called my doctor, went to his office, had a chest X-ray. My right chest was full of fluid. Uh, had a thoracentesis where they took off 2,200 cc's of bloody fluid. And the uh, flow cytometry ultimately showed acute myeloid leukemia. Right. So... Uh, it was certainly not something I had anticipated. <laughs> I had anticipated going back to work the next day. Um, <clears throat> but this began a journey that has lasted now for 22 months of uh, <clears throat> tremendous care uh, at Emory University Hospital. Uh, three rounds of chemotherapy, um, a stem cell transplant 
from my uh, sister and about seven months of severe anemia. Since we were different blood types, uh, it took about seven months before my uh, red blood cells transitioned to her blood type. So it, there have been a few other bumps in the road, <clears throat> but it's really been an interesting uh, journey, even though it's been physically challenging. Uh, I've learned a lot, uh, both as a physician and just as a person. And so one of the things you and I were talking about earlier was just, what did I learn? Yes. One of my colleagues asked me that at the, one of the last board of trustees meeting at the ACC, I found it hard to really verbalize what I've learned. And I, I came back from that meeting and began to think about what is it I've really learned? What, what is, what have, what, how has my outlook on life changed? And what, what have I learned that's important that I didn't recognize uh, before I got sick. So I, I did sort of write down some of these ideas and <clears throat> some of these may not mean much to you now, uh, but I think they are things that I would have loved to have heard when I was a young physician uh, starting my career, maybe even in middle career, just things to sort of uh, think about, to look at, your, at the big picture, to kind of get your head out of the details and think about what's really important in life. So I'll just share my list with you. And uh, some of these are more important for people who are going through something like leukemia, but some of it's good, I think, for, for all of us. The first one that I have on my list is that you shouldn't sweat the small stuff. You just can't worry through life about all the details all the time. You've gotta, you've gotta learn to let go of some things that, that just aren't important. Um, the second one is don't waste time on people who don't matter. Uh, those would be examples and people who are always negative or people who have an agenda. Um, you just can't spend a lot of time worrying about those. You know, this year we're in a political um, election year and there's a lot of rhetoric on TV and most of it doesn't make any difference at all. And so that's an example of what I'm talking about, but that happens in real life too. Uh, third one, tell the important people in your life how much they mean to you. Uh, friends and family should know how much, how important you are. And I think we all get so busy in our lives that we forget to do that. But that is, I think, very important. Um, the next one, do things that are important to you, regardless of the financial reward. I, I mentioned that I had a mentor <clears throat> many, many years ago who was sort of of the World War II generation. <clears throat> and he said, never make a career decision based on money. I can tell you in my career, that, is, that was exactly right. That's great advice. And I encourage everyone to think about that. Uh, the next one I had was that control is an illusion. Doctors love to feel like we are in control. In, in a tiny, tiny way we might be, but in the grander scheme of things, we're not. And just as I thought, I was totally in control of my career and my life. I found out I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't in control at all. Yes. And so that, I think that's important um, also. I mean, you can't put all the responsibility on yourself there because you really don't have complete control. 
And if I can interrupt you there for a quick second, I think one of the things you're reminding me of now is that one of the things you said is this, this, um, this moment, the leukemia completely shook your identity of yourself. Is that somewhat true? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, going from a, a completely healthy person to a patient uh, whose, whose life was in some jeopardy. Um, I had only been in the hospital as a patient one time prior to this in my life when I had appendicitis. So this was a very different thing for me to be lying in a hospital bed and having doctors coming and making rounds on me. Very, very different. Um, it, it affects your, uh, your, your sense of self. It's a, it's a very tough thing there. And I think you can even take it to a, to a spiritual level. Uh, you know, your relationship with God, I think, is also something that comes into clarity, even if you've been a very religious person in the, in the past, as, as I have been. Uh, but I think I didn't express my spirituality in a way that I feel now uh, because of this, because you have to look inwardly and think through what this means to you in your existence. So I think that's uh, certainly, a, it's, a, it's a journey and it changes over time, but I think that's really important. Um, my next point, don't hesitate to ask for help when you need it. That's true if you're talking to a patient, but it's also true in life. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. And once again, we doctors like to think we're in total control, have all the answers and don't need any help, but we do. We do. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. I would encourage everyone to focus on your health. You know, manage and maintain good health when you have it. That's, that's a wonderful thing. When you're healthy, you can fight off so many adversities, whether it's an infection or otherwise. But when your health is compromised, the, uh, the human life is very frail and fragile. A great example of that <clears throat> has been this COVID pandemic that we've all been living through. We see how people who are healthy and frequently young have managed this infection much better than people who are older or who have uh, complicating medical conditions. So that's, I think that's a really important one. And I think doctors tend to uh, ignore their health in some cases. Uh, they work long, long hours. They're uh, chronically fatigued in many cases. Um, probably don't eat right, drink too much coffee. Uh, I even have friends who are doctors who still smoke. Um, and so I just encourage you to realize that your health is extremely important. And if you take care of it, it'll help take care of you. Um, next point, don't stress about medical information that you might read on the internet. This is most important for patients. Um, but I'll, I'll give you an example. When I, when I was, uh, post-op from uh, an appendectomy for a ruptured appendix about 10 years ago. Uh, I was having some fever and some redness around my surgical site, and I looked on the internet to see what that might be. And when you look at what fasciitis looks like on the internet, it'll scare the heck out of you. That was not a good thing for me to do at two in the morning in a hospital bed. And the same is true with any illness. There's, there's a lot of good information on the internet, but there's a lot of information that's not correct. And so you have to be very careful about what you read there. 
that's a hard one considering obviously the mountains of information and understanding what's accurate and, and what's not. <clears throat> yeah, it really is. And uh, I think, I think the best thing you could do when you are a patient is to rely on your doctor to provide you with information. You know, as a cardiologist, my, my uh, knowledge base of leukemia was very dated from the years when I was an intern and resident. And so <clears throat> I had my doctor give me a uh, summary paper that was written just a year or so ago on leukemia so I could read up and, and learn more about what, what the current status was. And that really was helpful. Um, let's see, my next point, um, when you're, this one has to do with when you're ill, but some family and friends will have difficulty dealing with your illness, whether it's cancer or heart disease or otherwise, and you have to go easy on them. Uh, you can communicate uh, as much as possible, but don't make them feel bad when they're not communicating the way you think they should, because everyone deals with illness differently. It's a very empathetic uh, observation, Bo, when you're the one going through a serious illness to yeah. be empathetic about those who are trying to be with you. <clears throat> exactly. And on the other side of the coin, you will find that there will be friends and family who will absolutely come out of the woodwork to be supportive. And that's the way they communicate and, and try to help. And that's great. And you have to appreciate them and accept their, uh, their uh, willingness to be helpful. Um, but everybody deals with illness differently. And so it's, it's a personal thing and you just have to accept both sides of that coin. Uh, the next point I'll mention again, I'm, I'm sort of on the subject of when you are sick, but you have to support your spouse or whoever your caregiver is. Uh, this is very stressful for spouses and uh, they go through a number of these same questions and fears, some that they won't even necessarily verbalize, but you need to be supportive of them as much as you can uh, because uh, a life-threatening illness is a very, very tough thing for them to go through. Um, and so I, I think that's a real important point. And you're blessed with a wonderful spouse. Sally is uh, yeah. just a, a wonderful person. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't have made it through this last 22 months without her. It's just uh, you have to have a caregiver when you go through chemotherapy and stem cell transplant and so forth and all the, all the complications that come along. You just have to have someone there who's thinking clearly and uh, is willing to, you know, throw you in the car and take you to the emergency room at two in the morning for fluids or whatever it is you need. It's just uh, it's an incredibly difficult job that they don't get very much credit for. So I, I think that's really important. And then the last one is what we're doing today. And that is that when you have gone through this experience, you need to share it uh, with others, share this new perspective and try to help others see something that will be helpful in their life. And, and that's what you and I have talked about and what we wanted to do today to some degree, um, just to, to begin to get people thinking about what it's like and the fact that it can happen to any of us. Uh, none of us are guaranteed another day. And so you just have to get up every morning and be happy when the sun is, is rising over the hills and happy that you've got another day and make the most of it. So those well, are my little 12 uh, pieces of advice for today uh, <laughs> that I hope will be helpful. Well, that's a lot and, and, and that's huge. And I hear the gratitude that 
your sharing with us today to take a step back. And one of the times we spoke before you mentioned, yeah, boy, if I had this perspective when I was a younger man, when I was a younger doctor, it, it might have influenced me to do some things uh, modestly differently. So I wonder in, in wrapping up, there were two quotes you gave me. I don't know if you want to touch on those or not, or do you want to touch on the advice to self that might have influenced your, your behavior as a younger man? Any thoughts on any of that? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think I was fairly characteristic of, of a lot of doctors in that I had a very, I was a very ambitious person, uh, very hard driving, uh, in college to make the grades and in medical school and training. And then when I got into practice, I worked very long hours as an interventionalist, uh, took a lot of call, uh, you know, worked a lot of spring breaks when my partners were off with their children. <clears throat> and so all that's great. And it's, you know, it's a good thing to do. And I love doing it. I, I loved taking care of uh, STEMI patients and uh, making diagnoses and so forth. Uh, but but work-life balance is really important and it's not something that the baby boomer culture really put a lot of uh, emphasis on. I think we're better about it now. I think the younger generations understand this a little better, but I would have tried to create a little more balance in my life if I could go back and do it again. Um, I did find a couple of quotes that I, uh, that I found when I was preparing for a board of trustees meeting a few months ago that I guess give me a little bit of uh, insight into what I've been through and, and my thoughts going forward. The first quote is from Confucius. And the quote is, we have two lives. And the second begins when we realize we only have one. Wow. I found that people who have been healthy all their lives may not make much of that, but there was one member of our board who had undergone or who had been through a bad automobile accident and had uh, experienced some of this consideration of their mortality and it really rang true uh, with them. The second quote comes from, uh, I suppose, Charles Schultz, the writer of the Charlie Brown comic strip. And it is, uh, Charlie Brown said, we only die once, we live every day. And so I think that's the message that I would uh, give to all my colleagues. Live every day. Enjoy them all. Because you don't know that you're going to have another one. Wow. So much there. Uh, very profound. Thank you so much, Bo, for your gratitude, for your wisdom, your experiences, and for your vulnerability today. This is obviously an emotional topic. And... Um, not all of us have that perspective. Grateful to yeah. you for sharing that. <clears throat> well, thank you. It's, it has been an emotional uh, journey and I'm still on the journey, and, but I'm getting better, uh, thankfully. Uh, physical health is better and uh, I'm, I'm learning more about the psychological effects. Um, I'm planning to interview some other AML uh, patients who have been in positions of authority, such as physicians or attorneys to see how they've managed, to see how they've gone back to work. How have they handled the stress of working again after going through all this? Um, and I think it's a, it's a, the, the psychological ramifications to me are even more interesting than the medical ramifications, which 
to me is a miracle. So that's where I am now and, and I hope to continue to learn. Yes. Well, thank you again. Thank you for your warmth. Wishing you continued great health. Wishing the best to you and Sally and Barkley and your family and your sister, the donor. Um, so again, just so much gratitude to you uh, and for your friendship. Thanks so much for this time today, Bo. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate your help. Okay.